Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. You, if you're like most families, know of someone in your family or a close friend that you have that may not know Christ as their Savior. So my challenge for you this Christmas is to move beyond just the story of Jesus being in a manger. And you will do what we will see in the verses today, that you're willing to go from this story of Bethlehem and carry a story, share a, share a story with other people. There, there are three occasions, three people or groups of people that we see in the verses that we're looking at today. They kind of move beyond just the concept of Bethlehem with a story. The first one's the shepherds. Of course, the angels appeared, and they were told the Savior had been born, and they go and see him, and then they, they go forth with a story to tell. Later on, at the temple in Jerusalem, there's an old man by the name of Simeon that has an encounter with Jesus. And also at that same temple, there's an elderly widow by the name of Anna who has an encounter with, with Jesus. But as we look at the story involving the shepherds and Simeon and Anna, there, there are three, what I think, are glorious aspects of the story of Jesus, of this story of his birth. The first glorious aspect is simply this. It, it was a wondrous story. It was a wondrous story. Now, we'll read it in a few minutes, but in verse 18, it tells us that when the shepherds, after they'd gone to the manger, they'd go away uh, telling others what they had seen and what they had heard. And the Bible tells us that many people were wondering at the story that they were hearing. You see, they should have wondered because I think it's a wondrous story. Don't you think the birth of Jesus is very wondrous? Amen. God becoming man. So we have a, a wondrous story that we need to be willing to share with others, also our, ourselves. It's a wondrous story to start with when you think about just seeing Jesus. Because that's the first thing that, that happened. The, the shepherds went after they had given, been given the news about uh, Jesus being born and the fact that he was laying in a manger. They are really motivated with some urgency and they say, well, let's go see what's happened. Verse 15 said, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. After they heard the news that the Savior had been born, they said, we've got to go over there. I mean, it's a, it's a sense of urgency. The word, uh, the phrase used for go over or to go now really has this uh, explicitness about it. it. It's like they, they had to go right then. There's this sense of urgency. And even though the Bible says, let's go see this thing that happened, it doesn't mean that it's some haphazard thing that happened because the phrase that's used there in the original uh, language means this, to cause to be or generate. They're going to see something that God the Father had caused to happen. That was part of his plan. That was part of his story. God had generated this. It wasn't just some haphazard thing. And they had this wondrous story that they had seen. Uh, imagine being on the receiving end of that for a moment. These shepherds come and they tell you a story 
that they were out in the, in the dark, out in the field, and all of a sudden an angel appeared. You know, and, and then they continued to tell you the story. And it said, and the angel said that the Savior of the world had been born. And the angel said that a sign that it's him would be that he's laying in a manger, which is kind of the opposite of what you would think, because if this is the Savior, the God of all the universe, the Messiah in human flesh, you wouldn't necessarily expect to be told that he's in a manger. And then they're told that the angels begin to break forth into praise and God's glory shone all around. And then they start to tell exactly what they had seen. See, that would be a, a really wondrous story. It would make you think about and wonder, man, what is all this they're, they're sharing with, with me? What are they telling me that they had actually seen there? It's a very wondrous thing. And they run to see Jesus with urgency. I hope on this Sunday before Christmas, if you have never seen Jesus with eyes of faith, these people were looking at in the story in the scriptures this morning, they saw Jesus face to face. I've not had that opportunity yet. I look forward to it one day. You've not had that opportunity yet, but you have, most of you, many of you, hopefully have seen him with eyes of faith. Amen. And if you have not seen with eyes of faith this Sunday before Christmas, I hope you with a sense of urgency will run to Jesus just like these shepherds ran to Jesus. But it's not just a wondrous story because of what they saw, what they had seen there and what they experienced. It's also a wondrous story that they shared with others, a wondrous story about sharing Jesus. And that's the crux of what I want you to get this morning. I hope you will be motivated and have a sense of call on your life that you need to Make this Christmas season an opportune time for you to look for the chance to share Jesus with others. Verse 17 through 20, as we keep reading, it said, And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it, this is the verse I mentioned earlier, all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondered them in her heart. Now verse 19, kind of filed that away. I'll come back to it near the end of the service. And and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told unto them. See, the the story, the experience that the shepherds have is so wonderful, they feel compelled to tell somebody else about it. They feel a sense of urgency to go and share this event that had taken place. The, the, the phrase remain known means to, to know or to know absolutely. They're, they're trying to make known to other people as they go away from Bethlehem exactly what they had experienced, exactly what they had seen, exactly what had been told by the angels. To, to me, it seems like they have a, a sense of excitement because they're, they're telling it in such a way that makes people wonder. And the word there is kind of similar to our word. It means to admire or marvel at, but it's built on a root word that means to look closely at, to perceive, to visit, to behold, to look upon. So I want to return to the Christmas challenge that I alluded to as I was starting the message. The reason I feel like God has us at this topic today is for what I said earlier. You are going to have the chance, the opportunity to see people this Christmas season. You'll be exchanging gifts with some people and hanging out with them and and eating with them and things like that. Why not be sure on this Christmas that they have the greatest gift that they could possibly have? 
Well, why not use it as an opportune time to do what the shepherds did here, to tell them what you have seen about Jesus, what you know about Jesus, what you have heard about Jesus, what you have experienced about Jesus, and, and let's share with our friends and family this Christmas season in a way that makes them wonder. And I want to go to the full intent of the word study that I did a moment ago in a way that makes them look closely at <laughs> in a way that makes them want to visit Jesus, in a way that, that compels them to really consider the, the claims of Christ. See, these shepherds look really excited to me. The Bible even says that they, they went away glorifying, praising God. They're excited. They're trying to render God to be very glorious. They're praising God. And it's an interesting thing, the, the, the word that means to praise God, the word for praise in the root word means a story. And I started thinking about that this week. And then I, I, I came up with this conclusion. Any story about God is a God of praise. Amen? Because he's a good God and he always does what's right. So when we're telling a story about him, it, it ought to be something that, that brings praise to him. But get back to the thing about them being excited for a moment. The angels were so excited that they had to tell somebody about it and they were glorified and they were praising God. Here's what the angels saw. The angels had, or the shepherds saw. The angels had, had seen angels, the shepherds had seen angels in the sky. I'll get it right in a minute. The shepherds had seen angels in the sky. They had been given information about how to find the Messiah. They went to a manger. They saw a baby in a manger. And then they get really excited and they go away and they tell everybody else about it. Now, the reason I'm phrasing it like that, I want you to contrast some things. The shepherds were really, really excited. And the only thing they saw was the front side of the story. A baby in a manger being told that he's going to be the savior of the world. You and I have the back side of the story. We have the full story to share. The shepherds were excited. They were praising God, glorifying God, just based on seeing a baby in a manger that they had been told was the Messiah. You and I have the full story. We know that the baby grew up, lived a sinless life, went to the cross, died on the cross, shed his blood, that through faith in him, we can have everlasting life. And he took his life back up on the third day to prove he had done everything necessary that we might experience salvation. I'm just trying to tell you this. If the shepherds were excited with what they knew, we should be much more excited in what we know and we ought to be willing to go and tell others because they were willing to go tell others. We, we've got a better story than they had. We, we've got the finished end of the story. We understand fully who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And that's why I'm challenging you this Christmas season, this Christmas day, be sure with everything that you share and everything that you experience and all the gifts that you give, if you've got some lost friends and lost family members, don't let the opportunity pass to use Christmas to tell them about Jesus. To try and give them the greatest gift that they could possibly have. So the first aspect of the story of Jesus that I think is a glorious story, glorious aspect of the story, was the very fact that, that it's a wondrous, wondrous story. It made people wonder then. It ought to make people wonder now when we tell the, the, the gospel, the amazing grace gospel to people. The second glorious aspect of this birth story of Jesus is that it's a satisfying story. It is a satisfying story. Now, before I get to the reason for the satisfaction, I want to give you a little bit of background before we actually read kind of about Simeon. The, the background to it is found in these, in these verses. 
And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy before the Lord. So Jesus, being virgin born, Mary's first child, and considered holy before the Lord. And Jesus was in a very special way. And offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or, or two young pigeons. Now some background I, I want to talk to you about before we get to Simeon and what Simeon experienced and what Simeon said in, in the Christmas story uh, is first of all, a covenant mark, a covenant mark. There's three covenant things that, that take place in, in the verses that I've just read. The covenant mark was circumcision. That was something God had told his people, the Jews, to practice. It was a covenant mark for everyone to see that they belonged to, to him. But something that's very interesting to me that they were told to do it on the eighth day. You see, in, in that day and time, they did not have the medicines available that we have today. I mean, you can control the blood flow uh, if someone is cut uh, medically. They couldn't do it in that day and time. There's more of the ingredient that we know now. <laughs> There's more of the ingredient that causes the blood to clot in a human body at eight days old than any other time that naturally occurs. That's why God had told them on the eighth day, that's when that takes place. So that's why they're taking Jesus on the eighth day. It's a covenant agreement with God that God's people had been told to practice. There's a covenant name found in those verses because they named him Jesus, the name the angel told Mary that she was to use, and that name means Jehovah is salvation or Jehovah saves. There's also other covenant actions taking place because it said they were doing all this according to the law of Moses. So there's some other covenant actions that was taking place, such as a circumcision, such as Mary's purification, because 40 days after having a baby, they're supposed to go to the temple and go through the rite of purification. And also the baby, that first male child, had to be redeemed. That's why they're taking Jesus to the temple. And it's like the parents would go there and give an offering to God to show appreciation for that first male child that had been born. So all that's some background that's taking place. The, the fact that they showed up with two pairs of birds kind of indicate to us the poverty that Joseph and Mary lived in. Some people might have brought lambs or other types of offerings, but they show up with simple birds. But you know, that's okay. They didn't need to bring a lamb. They had the lamb of God with them. Amen. As they go to the temple that day. So now let's talk about Simeon because I'm, I'm telling you this story about Jesus being born. This story of all that means of salvation, him being the Messiah. It is a very satisfying story. There's three aspects of satisfaction I want us to talk about quickly. One is an anticipated satisfaction. Anticipated satisfaction. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, which, by the way, you can see at the bottom of the page, I told you what his name means. His name means hearing, which I think is very logical based on what we're going to read here. There's a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout. Waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now that phrase simply means he's waiting for the Messiah. He's waiting for the deliverance of, of Jerusalem. 
And it had been revealed to him. Here's the part that I want you really to get. It had been revealed to him, to Simeon, by the Holy Spirit, that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, put yourself in Simeon's shoes for a minute. The Holy Spirit of God tells you that you're not going to die until you see the Messiah. Would that not give you a sense of anticipation? Will it be today when I go to the temple? Am I going to walk around the corner and see him? I mean, there should have been anticipation in his life. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us this. Tradition tells us Simeon was 113 years old, but that's not the Bible. That's just tradition. But anyway, we don't know how long he had been anticipating God to keep his promise, God to satisfy him with a promise, but he had been anticipating it evidently for a while. He was devout. He was someone that was interested in the things of God and trying to live a a righteous life the way God wanted him to. And his name means hearing. So evidently he had been in tune enough to the Holy Spirit of God, in tune enough to God to hear God say, you're not going to die until you see the Messiah. Now, my application for us is simply this. If, I, I think if you and I would be more devout, if, if, we would, if we would be more interested in the things of God, we're going to hear some things from God that would help us anticipate ultimate satisfaction in our lives if we'll be in tune to Him and anticipate that satisfaction. Not only was it an anticipated satisfaction, it was a directed satisfaction. In other words, the same Holy Spirit that told Him you're not going to die until you see the Messiah, we're told that same Holy Spirit tells him, hey, you need to go to the temple today. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents, talking about Joseph and Mary, when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, all the stuff we read about in the background a moment ago, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, now we'll talk about what he said in a moment. This man was so in tune to the Holy Spirit of God, so listening to God that not only did he hear, you're not going to die until you see the Messiah, he heard this, you need to go to the temple today. And then after he got to the temple, since he knew who Jesus was when he saw him and he went and took him up in his arms, evidently he was also in tune to the Holy Spirit that when he saw Jesus, the Holy Spirit told him, hey, this is the one you've been waiting for. And our application is simply this. If we will be more devout and more interested in the things of God, I think God will direct us to more satisfaction in our lives if we'll listen and follow Him. But the main thing I wanted you to get was that it was a complete satisfaction, a complete satisfaction. Because He had been told to anticipate the Messiah. He had been told you're not going to die until you see Him. He's directed to go to the temple by the Holy Spirit of God. And when he gets there, this is what Simeon says when he takes Jesus up in his arms. Man, this is one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. That you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for the revelation of the Gentiles. That's us. And for the glory of your people Israel. 
And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. A sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. I want you to really think about what Simeon is, is saying there. When he used the word now, it's a word that means immediately. He, he said immediately, right now, in the present tense, that's what Simeon is saying to God. I'm ready to depart. Though the word depart means to free fully. The, the same word was used in the, in the Greek talking about releasing a prisoner from his bondage. The same word was used in the Greek talking about untying a ship from its moorings and allowing it to sail free. The same word was used in the Greek language to talk about taking down a tent and moving on to another location. The same word was used in the Hebrew of, of unyoking a beast of burden. In other words, there's an animal there that's been under a yoke and it's been having to labor and work and everything else, but now you're taking the yoke off and you're letting it go free. That's the word that's used here. When Simeon says, after he looks at Jesus, and he says, now because my eyes have seen your salvation, he's saying, right now, God, right now, I'm ready to die. I, I, this gives me all that I need, God. You promised me I would see your salvation. You promised me I'd see the Messiah. Now I see him. I'm holding him. Think about the concept of that. He's holding the Savior of the world in his own arms. And he talks to God the Father, and he says, God, now that you've kept your word, I'm ready to die at peace. I'm ready to depart. I'm ready to take the tent down and move somewhere else. I'm ready to be cut loose from my moorings so I can sell free. I'm ready to get that burden yoke off of me so I can be free. That's what Simeon is saying. I I'm ready to be set free. I'm ready to be set free like a prisoner being set free from his cell. See, what he is saying ought to be true for all of us who know Christ as our Savior. If you know Christ as your Savior, you ought to be so satisfied with him and so satisfied because of Jesus you have a relationship with God and a hope of eternal life. Any of us who know Christ ought to be so satisfied that we can look at God and say, God, I'm ready to die. If you want to take me, I'm ready. I'm ready to take the tent down. I'm ready for you to, to call me home. I'm ready to sail free like a ship. I'm ready to get out of my prison. God, I'm, I'm ready to come and be with you. That's the complete, ultimate satisfaction that Simeon had when he saw the Savior. And I hope you have that type of satisfaction because if you don't have that type of satisfaction that you found in Jesus, that might indicate there's a problem. Sunday before Christmas would be a good time to get the problem fixed. The where you know without any doubt you're so completely satisfied with Jesus and what he's done for you and your faith in him that you are ready to depart. And then Simeon gets prophetic a little bit. He gives a prophecy concerning the sacrificial death of Jesus. One thing he says is this, many are going to rise and fall. And then he looks at Mary and he says, there's going to be a sword pierce your heart future tense stuff. He said, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also. 
and the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Three things I want you to see there, and all three begin with the S. One is a stone. The Bible calls Jesus the cornerstone, the stumbling stone. And there are people who stumbled over him in that day and time, the rise and fall of many. And there's still people who stumble over Jesus. Instead of believing him, they're stumbling over him. And it will cause them to have an ultimate fall in their life. Second thing I want you to see is a sign. He talked about a sign opposing, and that meant that there's coming a time in the future that Jesus would be very much opposed, so much so that he's persecuted to the point of being nailed to a cross. And then he talked about a sword because he looked at Mary and he said, Mary, this little baby that you have just had, there's going to be a time in the future that there's going to be a sword pierce your heart because this Mary that had Jesus would be there and see him beaten and see him abused and see him nailed to the cross and see him placed in a tomb. Thank God she'd also see him on the other side of the tomb. Amen. But imagine being in her shoes. Imagine seeing your child put through what Jesus went through. And it was a sword. The word sword means a giant's sword, like the, like the you know, one that, that you might find Goliath carrying in the Bible. A huge sword would pierce her heart when she saw Jesus go through what he would ultimately go through. It's prophecy talking about the fact that Jesus one day would die for our sins. And Mary, is said, did this in verse 19, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. She started treasuring things up when the angel appeared and said, you're going to have a baby even though you've you know, not conceived one yet. The baby's going to belong to the Holy Spirit. You're going to call his name Jesus. From that point, she was pondering things in her heart and she was treasuring up in her heart. She was keeping things closely together. She was conserving those things. She was remembering those things. She was guarding from loss the things that she was hearing about Jesus that would ultimately take place. And she was pondering those things. She was combining them, uh, conversing them, consulting them, disputing them, mentally considering them in a fixed position in her own heart. She didn't fully understand it yet, but one day she would when she sees her son beaten and abused and nailed to a cross, but yes, take his life back up on the other side. She would understand it fully. We're talking about a story that you and I need to go from Bethlehem, so to speak, and share. It's a wondrous story because of all that's involved in it. It's a satisfying story. It should be for us. You shouldn't need any more ultimate satisfaction in your life than knowing this by faith. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And that through faith in him, you are forgiven. You don't have to carry the guilt around. One day you'll be accepted in the presence of holy God, not because of who you are, but because of who Jesus is. Not because of what you've done or failed to do, but because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. It's a satisfying story that we need to share with others. This Christmas season, this Christmas day, as you meet with family and and friends, you need to make them wonder by telling them the the wondrous story of Jesus. You need to give them ultimate satisfaction in in their heart by by telling them about Jesus. Simeon is so satisfied, he said, go ahead and take me, let me, let me die. But thirdly, it's a redemption story. The story of Jesus is a redemption story. There's this lady by the name of Anna. The Bible said in verse 36 to 38, there's a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. 
She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. And then as a widow until she was 84, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping and fasting and prayer night and day. And then this same Anna comes up at the same time while Jesus is there. And Simeon is holding him in his arms. She comes up at that very hour and she began to give thanks to God. And to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. I love the way the Holy Spirit used names in the Bible. Simeon's name means hearing. To me that makes sense. (laughs) Because of what he heard. Anna's name means favored or grace. And she has the favor, the grace of getting also to go to the temple and laying her eyes literally upon the Savior of the world. And when she sees Jesus, I want you to notice three things that she does in this passage, in this story. First of all, she does just that. She sees Jesus. She sees him. Secondly, after she sees Jesus, she gives thanks to God. Thirdly, she does what I've already said that we need to be about this Christmas season. She tells others. You and I need to be about those same things. We need to be about seeing Jesus. Well, you might think to yourself, well, pastor, I've done saw him by faith. I've already trusted in him. How can I see him more? I'm just of the opinion that we need to do more than see Jesus and then stop. (laughs) Because we know we're going to heaven. We need to be looking for him in the Bible all the time. We need to be reading about him. We need to be looking for him in circumstances and situations in our lives. You and I need to be seeing Jesus every way we can. We need to keep chasing after him. Just because you know him as Savior doesn't mean it's time to sit down and wait till you go to heaven. We need to be doing all we can to see him. And as we see Jesus and what he's done for us and what he does for others, we need to give thanksgiving to God. That's what Anna did. But the third thing we need to do, and that's my challenge for you this Christmas season, is that we need to tell others. She tells people about Jesus who's looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. I I recognize that she didn't have a full concept The disciples even didn't for a while have a full concept of what the Messiah meant. They were looking for just a new king to come and chase the Roman Empire off and restore the glory of the days of King David. That's what they were looking for. But even though that's what they were looking for, as Anna goes forth, she's telling other people, I've seen the one that's going to do that. I've seen the one that's going to deliver Jerusalem. I've seen the one that's going to provide redemption for Jerusalem. But you see, we have a much more serious opportunity. Because there are people all around us in the world in which we live that are looking for redemption. Not for the redemption of a city, not for the redemption of a nation, but they're looking for the redemption of their eternal souls. They're looking for the redemption from sin. They're looking for their redemption of where they're bought and paid for and they belong to Jesus Christ and they'll spend all eternity with him. They're looking for that type of redemption. And if this poor elderly widow could go forth and tell others, I've seen the one that's going to deliver Israel. I've seen the one that's going to deliver Jerusalem, how in the world can we ever begin to think we can enjoy Christmas fully if you and I are not willing to tell others the story of redemption? Honestly, if you have lost family members, lost 
friends, lost loved ones. How can we really fully enjoy and celebrate Christmas if we fail to use Christmas as an opportunity to tell them? To share with them that Jesus came to redeem us. To buy us to himself. Look what I said in the, in the next scripture. Next slide, please. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Here's why he came. To redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Probably every one of us knows of someone that needs that. We know of someone that needs that redemption. They need to be told a wondrous story. They need to be told a story that will give them satisfaction. They need to be told this story of redemption that this little baby we're focusing on at Christmas came to grow up and down across to pay the penalty for my sin and for your sin so that through him we can have everlasting life. He came to redeem us, but first of all, people have to hear. And there are people, I think, that are waiting to hear that redemption story. Some have never heard it clearly. Some have heard it perverted in ways to where they think, well, that I've got to straighten my own life up first. And the truth of the matter is we can't do that. Some have heard it from the standpoint of, well, yeah, I believe Jesus came me down on the cross, but then I have to also live a really, really good life, so God let me into heaven. And that's not the gospel. The good news that we need to share to others, the story of redemption we need to share this Christmas season is simply this. We're lost and undone. All of us are. We can't save ourselves. That's why God sent his son. That's why Jesus did for us what we cannot do. That's why he redeemed us on the cross. And it's by faith in him and him alone that we can be forgiven and we can have everlasting life. So you've got the opportunity as you exchange gifts this week to exchange the greatest gift. You've got the opportunity to engage people that you know need the gospel and to use this Christmas season to share with them about Jesus. My challenge is simply this. Let's go from Bethlehem, from Bethlehem with a story to tell. A story that makes them wonder about Jesus, that makes them consider those truths that makes them visit Jesus, so to speak. That's what the word meant, wonder. To closely look at Jesus. Let's share that kind of story this Christmas. Let's share a story that gives people some anticipation in their lives, some direction in their lives, complete satisfaction in their lives as we share with them the, the gospel. We share with them what Jesus did for us on the cross. Let's give people a redemption story. And before you start saying, Pastor, I'm, I'm, I've never been to Bible college and I've, I don't really know much about evangelism or anything like that. Before you start coming up with excuses, trying to get yourself off the hook from sharing the gospel with people this Christmas, I want to point out to you something. Those shepherds that first heard the message from the angels, in that day and time they were considered unclean. In that day and time, by the law of the land, in that day and time, those shepherds could not even go to a court of law and give a testimony. I don't know why, I'm just telling you the facts. 
They weren't allowed to go to a court of law and give a testimony. The shepherds weren't. But God has some other plans. God gave them the greatest testimony of all time to share. So I'll remind you, those shepherds were just humble, ordinary people. And they were given the greatest message of all time to share. So you don't have an excuse. You can share the message with others. Simeon, 113 years old, talked about Jesus. Anna, an elderly widow that didn't have anything evidently because she's staying there at the temple all the time. Anna told others about Jesus. You and I don't have an excuse. (laughs) If they were willing to tell others about Jesus, like I said earlier, they didn't have the full story. We do. We have the full story. And we have the expectation, no, not just an expectation, a command for us to fulfill the Great Commission. For us to share this message with other people and make disciples. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the unspeakable gift you've given us in your son, Jesus. Help us this Christmas season to make it about what it should be about, and that's Jesus. The great gift that you've given to us. Father, help us to recognize there are people around us that we know that have not received that gift. And I pray, Lord, you'd give us a sense of urgency this Christmas season that we would that we would make people wonder by telling them such a, a wondrous story about Jesus, that we would give people the satisfaction that they need for the hole in their heart, the hole in their life, that we would give them satisfaction by, by telling them the story of Jesus. God, that we would tell them a redemption story to where they can be saved and set free from their sins. Belong to you, redeemed to you, bought by you, through the blood of your Son for all eternity. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So here's the invitation today. With a sense of urgency, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, why not run to Him? That's what the shepherds did. They heard about Him with a sense of urgency. They ran there. So if you don't know him, why not with a sense of urgency run to Jesus and trust him by faith? If you do know him with that same sense of urgency, why not make a decision today that you're going to use this Christmas season to give some people you know the greatest gift of all time. A wondrous story, a satisfying story, a redemptive story. By sharing Christ with them I want you to pray when we first start the invitation and I want you to ask the Holy Spirit of God to give you a name or names of people you need to share this message with this Christmas and after you get that name I want you to come forward and kneel and pray and ask God to prepare their hearts that they'd receive this message that God has compelled you to tell. Also, during the invitation time, we'll be receiving our Christmas offering. 
we have a box set over here to my left to your right anytime during the invitation whatever God has laid upon your heart to give to the Christmas offering to help support missionaries in foreign fields Angie and Lynn shared with you some last week and I, I mentioned it also and I talked to our people in the first service today we cannot afford to not give to support missionaries across the world you might think well the pastor I can't afford it you can afford it in your pocketbook but there are people out there who are lost for all eternity that can't afford to miss the gospel and through our giving to the Christmas offering we're going to help support foreign missionaries through the International Mission Board to go and tell others about Jesus. We're going to use it, hopefully, to help us tell others about Jesus in our outflow events. And hopefully use it in our children's ministry to bring up another generation of Jesus. Terry's coming. Another generation who also will tell others about Jesus. So during this invitation time, what God has led you to give, please come and give it. Then please come and pray. And say, God, help me share the story with those you've placed upon my heart this Christmas. Please stand, we invite you to come. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life.